Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thoen, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I'm excited to share an interview with Chris Oliver. He is the Chief Marketing Officer over at Trucker Path, one of the most downloaded apps by drivers in the trucking industry. We recently at 3PL Systems integrated with their load board as well. So that's a new integration that we have, but really fascinating conversation. Chris is no stranger to the supply chain. He worked at as an executive over at Cargomatic as well. And we get into a lot of the things that drivers are faced with as far as truck drivers, such as hours of service, parking, bathrooms, et cetera, and also how Trucker Path is kind of helping drivers with their software tools to help alleviate some of their pain. Hope you enjoyed this interview. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to talk to you. You have a very impressive career in marketing. I know you've worked at some pretty incredible companies like uh, Cargomatic, and you're now at Trucker Path. Could you just give people in the crowd that don't know you just a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, I've been working in the trucking industry for quite a while, knocking on the door 30 years now. Um, started off just doing market research and you know things that all first-year marketing people start to do, sure. uh, which grew into database marketing and CRM developments. And then you know, in the late 90s or so, I kind of grew up and got to start leading marketing teams and started at PrePass, you know, the Waystation Bypass system that most people know. Started off marketing there and rose up to CRO. Um, after that, I was at Zonar Telematics Company um, in Seattle, was um, one of the owners there and had a great run. We went from a, we grew very quickly uh, and crossed a lot of segments that did well. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, Trucker Path and Cargomatic, I've kind of made my rounds in transportation technology all the way from Waystation Bypass to brokerages. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, your before Trucker Path, the company that you started and founded. How did, how did that whole thing work out? And it sounded like you exited from it. So I don't get to talk to a lot of people that have done that. So how was that experience for you? Well, I wasn't one of the founders. I joined okay. the team. Geez, I joined the, the company in the late, two, uh, around 2008, I think it was 2009. Mm -hmm. I had about 50 employees at that point. I um, was sure. off to a good start. Served only the school bus industry. Did it very well, but that was the one vertical market they're in. So I kind of came in as the transportation guy across other or other verticals. And you know, we, we got in a whole lot of different verticals. You know, trucking was the last one we entered, in fact, because from a telematics perspective, trucking kind of invented telematics, so mm -hmm. very competitive space. So we did school buses, utility fleets, transportation, you know, like public transportation, those private fleets, um, and then we entered public fleets, our tr trucking fleets at the end. But it was great. Yeah, we started off when I got there, and we were, I want to say, five or six million in revenue, roughly. Pretty nice little business. A few years later, um, we exited um, at a hundred million dollar run rate. And oh, wow. Is there a lot of paperwork involved, I guess, from a marketing perspective to get all that done? Or was there a lot of, I'd imagine there was probably a lot of work to do when you guys put it for sale? Yeah, there's a lot. But from my perspective as a marketing guy, no, not really. It was more of the CFO, the financial types of transactions. It's the money that matters. Makes sense. I actually interviewed with Cargomatic back in the day uh, as like a sales role. I didn't end up working there, but at the office down in Santa Monica or in Venice Beach, there was, I, I can't remember the gal's name, but Cargomatic was an interesting company too. How did you end up at Cargomatic and you were the CMO over there? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, they found me through a network, as I'm sure you know, in this industry, you know, once you're around for a while, you start to have a lot of friends. Uh, they, they found me, reached out. I had a good, great conversation with their chairman and CEO. They needed you know, somebody to do things that I do. So I joined the company and I was real excited. You know, they were, they were the original Uber for freight before and also rather unique that they focused really on very short haul local deliveries. And movements, which uh, I think to this day is still rather unique in the industry. Um, so it's a great company. You know, they, they were off to a good start. I enjoyed my time there, and I'm sure they've continued to grow well. Sure. And then now uh, it kind of leads us to where we're at now. So how did you end up at your current role? 
And on top of that, I'd also like to ask you just like on your overall thoughts on like marketing in general at this stage, as far as like with like chat GPC coming in and like all these kind of different AI bots and things of that nature. What are your thoughts just in general on marketing these days? Yeah, so the way I ended up at TruckerPath, um, similar to Cargomatic, I actually worked at TruckerPath briefly for like about six months as their chief business officer. Gotcha. Um, when the current company acquired them, I came on board to help them develop a strategy, a plan, kind of introduce the company to the industry, granular level than just as an acquirer. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went, that was when I left and went to Cargomatic for a couple of years. But over the time I was gone, I stayed in touch with the team and our CEO. As I was exiting Cargomatic, you know, there was a need here at TruckerPath. So, you know, it just lined up perfectly. And I was super excited to come back and join the team. I'm, I'm real happy to be here. We got a great business and real fun team and a lot of good things going on. Um, but you ask about marketing and you kind of touch on a sweet spot for me because I think we, generally speaking, when you talk to people about marketing, they think, oh, you make cool pictures and slogans and think <laughs> of witty ways to tell a story. Sure. I wish. That's the fun part of marketing. The truth is, is, I think marketing is one of the hardest careers or parts of a business to keep up with because it changes so dramatically so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, back a billion years ago when I started doing marketing, it's a crazy thought to even put a promo code on a direct mail piece to try to track performance. Today, you know, from a marketing perspective, everybody knows what everybody's doing almost all the time. We're, you know, we're all being tracked, everything we do digitally. Uh, so that's you know, really, it's great for me as a marketing leader because I get a lot of data that's accurate, actionable, and helps us to really hone our mix. For customers, oftentimes good, mostly good. Uh, sometimes it can get to be a little invasive because it's so easy to really target and get in front of, the, of, of people. I'm really glad I'm in the B2B space. I feel like all of those tools and tricks from a marketing perspective are healthy and very fair game in B2B because we're really trying to drive profitability and revenue for customers. In the B2C space, I'm a consumer too. I get a little tired of it sometimes. And as a marketer, I think that compounds a bit because I know what's happening and how it works. And I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. What's your thought? I don't know if you've played around with like ChatGPT and some of these like bots that have come out over the last, I guess, I I don't know how long they've been working on it, but OpenAI and kind of some of these things I play. I I use some of the tools in in my content as far as like Jasper AI. And sometimes I use them just for like ideation, just for things to like get the juices flowing, if you will. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that stuff or if you're not um, paying attention to it. Definitely paying attention to it. It's amazing. In its infancy, and it's all well, from us, from our, from a consumer perspective, I'm sure they've been developing it for a very long time. But sure, it's in its infancy, but it's already mind-boggling. The answers you get to the questions you ask are surprisingly thorough and detailed. I haven't really digested it enough to figure out how to inject it into a mix, but it's inevitable. You know, we most certainly will. We do use AI in other parts of our business, you know, to understand travel patterns and things of that nature and predictives. But um, on the marketing side, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but it's most certainly inevitable. That's what I was saying earlier. You know, by the time 30% of marketers are fluent in understanding how to use that technology, there'll be another one, which is about every quarter or six months, there's something new that's not just cool, but it's also very, very effective. Sure. Yeah. I I also see it kind of changing the way we're kind of on this verge of um, Google 2.0 of search almost, because I know that they have their own natural language processor called, I believe it's called BARD, but it's interesting because you look at all this stuff and like, if you could just get the answer that you want, instead of having to go through 20 links, I think that that's a better user experience. So I kind of see like everything kind of heading towards that direction, which is Kind of fascinating. I don't really know how that's going to affect SEO and things like that. I think that I'll still use Google and still write content and everything like that. But it just seems like it's, if I'm looking at it like almost like a waterfall, maybe I use chat GPT first and then Google second type of thing, which is kind of fascinating. 
Yeah, I think it's really good. You know, I'm sure you're aware. Bing has already kind of released their their AI. It's very impressive, and I think it's just the first step of the new wave. It won't be long before, in my opinion, you know, the interface that we consider as Google will just be something that you talk to and it answers you, just like you know we thought was cool as kids watching sci-fi movies. <laughs> Hundred percent. I think that's yeah. They're probably going to end up doing that. I mean, it seems like because of ChatGPT made such a splash that they're probably going to have to switch the way they're doing business. Which it's crazy to think too, because I never thought like I had friends that worked at Google, and I never thought that Google would ever. I, I thought that they were good for like the next hundred years. But back to your point, it seems like things change so quickly, and in, in like the tech space, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I remember reading a, an article rather recently that they just developed. I want to say it was maybe a couple thousand engineers they had assigned to doing what we're talking about, moving Google from the, to a, that interface more aggressively and more rapidly. And mm. seeing that start to happen with them. So, I mean, it's Google, you know, they're going to nail it and it's going to be amazing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Let's talk a little bit about uh trucker path. So uh, you guys have a pretty fascinating app that looks like it does a lot of different things. It's, it seems, I, I also want to talk to you about like the, some, some issues that drivers are having. So maybe we could start with that and then get into the trucker path app and what kind of you guys are solving for. But I know that truck drivers in America, they have a very hard job. They have problems with parking, hours of service, finding a bathroom, all these different things. So is trucker path is coming along to help out some of these truck drivers and it's got what, like a, a million active users per month or I don't remember the exact yeah. set, but it's got a lot. Yeah, it does. And that's, you know, trucker path was born really a truck stop search application. Just to really show drivers where truck stops were and then what the fuel prices were. And it caught hold a bit, you know, enough to you know, develop a nice little user base. And then those drivers started asking for more. It still happens, works this way today. If, they, if someone uses Trucker Path and they stumble upon you know, a great taco joint, mm -hmm. you can just click the add button within the app. And then that request comes into our, one of our service centers. Mm -hmm. We look at those locations, you know, make sure it's not nefarious and something we wouldn't want on our app. And as long as it's legitimate in there, it, it becomes a POI a dot on the map. And then as soon as it does, the community can search it, they find it, they review it, they rate it, and uh, do the trucker path experience. It's that's really the most of the app has been cultivated by the input from the community, which I think is what makes it so helpful. Because mm. you know, we like to think we're smart people, but we don't think of everything. Live that life all day, every day. They do think about everything. The beauty is, is that over the years, trucker path has shown that we listen to their suggestions, and they know that. So they help us to perpetuate the improvements. So a, a big a big number of the features that we have are from the driver community, and um, we hone it based upon their input. It seems like a novel concept to produce something that customers want and listen to them and then give them what they ask for. That's exactly what we do, and that's why you know, we're so popular. It's almost one in three long-haul drivers use Trucker Path regularly. Oh, wow. And they're using it for just like finding – it looks like you guys have like some predictive analytics for finding – Parking spots, is there a major, I mean, I'm not a truck driver, so I wouldn't really know the day-to-day -day operations of finding like parking, but it seems like some of these truck drivers have to park in some sort of unsafe places sometimes. And then a lot of cities don't allow them to park on the street. So they're sort of left stranded, it sounds like, which to me is yeah. kind of messed up. Yeah, parking for trucks is tough on a lot of fronts. So A, there's finding it. You know, it's not as easy as you and me whipping our little car into a spot. It's mm -hmm. a much bigger um, and then they're usually parked for much longer periods of time. So it needs to be safe, not only clear the roadways, but also safe for the driver. You don't want to be in a scary place um, when you're going to be parked and probably sleeping. So what we've done is we've identified uh, about 20,000 places across the country that trucks can park safely. Mm -hmm. Geofenced all of them. 
So whenever someone has a trucker path app and they they pop one of those geofences and approach one of the parking areas, uh, once the trucks slow down, we ask them, hey, look around. Are there a lot of spaces available, some spaces available, or no spaces available? Mm-hmm. Which at first blush kind of seems vague. But when you have a million drivers contributing that information on a very, very regular basis, it becomes very actionable so that you know, you know if you look and an hour ago somebody said there were some spaces available there, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be some spaces available. We have that data. We've been collecting it for years across all those locations. But with the free form of the app, the kind of the snapshot of the last few reportings of parking available is, is available to anybody who uses the app. With one of our lower level subscriptions is where, like you were saying, we pull in all the historical data as well as predictive analytics. So it's very similar to when you look up a restaurant on Google Maps, you can see the little bar chart, the bar graph by hour shows you how busy they are. Mm-hmm. We show that exact same interface, that sa- exact same graph of showing how likely it is to find parking by hour, both from previous hours up to the current time, and then as well as predictive into the future, and, and the user can select it. So they, if they're really planning their routes, uh, they can plan a day or two ahead and say, look, this guy, this place looks like it's got spots typically available on a Wednesday evening. That's where I'm going to end up. Or if they're just ad hoc on the fly, they can look and see that you know five minutes ago someone reported this lot is full, but this one has some spaces available and they can drive to it. And that's and you were talking earlier about not being a driver. What's what's so important about that is ATRI, which is the research arm of the American Trucking Association, has published a study a year or two ago that quantified that drivers can spend as much as forty five minutes looking for a parking place at the end of their shift. Jeez. And they can only drive, you know, 10, 11 hours a day because of hours of service. So if you're going to spend you know, 45 minutes of that available window to drive just looking for a parking space, you greatly reduce the available capacity to move the freight because you're not going anywhere. You're just looking for a parking spot. So other than just convenience and safety and kind of peace of mind to know where they'll have a place to stop, it's also a big productivity. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That makes sense. I wonder what happens too if like they can't find a parking space in time. They just have to... I guess they usually just pull over on an exit ramp and take a chance, which is really unfortunate. There's a, a, a law, it's called Jason's Law, I think was enacted about two years ago, maybe three years ago, that had to do with truck parking and availability and enforcement. And the reason why it's called Jason's Law is exactly what you were alluding to. A driver couldn't find a place. He just found a spot to pull off and, and park, which wasn't in a very safe area. And unfortunately, he was so Jeez. just terrible. Nobody wants that to happen. Yeah, that's terrible. And then as far as the predictive analytics part goes for the parking spaces, are you guys using some sort of machine learning or AI for that? Or is that, is that just, I, I know that you're getting the data from, I guess, the customers, but do you guys actually develop models for that type of thing? Yeah, we do. Um, please don't ask me the details. Sure. Our engineering yeah. A lot smarter than me, but yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's fascinating though, how much uh, this stuff's coming into trucking now. Let's talk a little bit about the bathrooms too, because I've, I've, I follow like Duner on FreightWaves and sometimes I've seen him post pictures of like, hey, you can't like they'll have like a sign the trucker can't use the bathroom and to me i just feel like it's i don't want to say it's like inhumane but i i just don't understand like why like some shippers are just seems like they're almost like rude like you know deliver they'll allow them to deliver the goods but then they're like no there's no bathroom or whatever so i don't know is that is that something that's a a bit of a problem too in the industry as far as like allowing these guys and gals to actually use the restroom say it's a problem just about anywhere when you got to go you got to go <laughs> so, <laughs> sure that's a problem no matter what yeah, mm-hmm. those, those things do happen you know, periodically and, and the reasons why who knows my guess is i seriously doubt anybody just has a beef against letting drivers use the restrooms probably something bad happened and 
they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. That's on them. I really don't know. Um, one thing I can tell you with confidence is, I don't know if you saw or not, but um, about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, we released our top 100 truck stops list. Mm, I did see that. 2022. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that list just comes from driver ratings. You know, they, we have a five-star rating system within the app, and drivers rate them a lot, a whole lot. Um, the way that list was generated was a, a location that had to have at least 2,500 ratings to be considered as a top 100. Mm. Obviously, a lot of sites have that many visits. And then look at the star ratings and rank them from 1 to 100. If there's a tie, this, the location that had the most visits got gets the higher spot. But the reason I bring all that up, other than just letting you know that, is out there on our blog to check out if you'd like to is uh, i started reading through the the handwritten or the long form reviews of some of the, the top 20 sites or so mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean let's face it if you're one of the 20 most popular truck stops in the country you've got the stuff you've got showers you've got food you got wi-fi all the the boxes are checked mm-hmm. what really sets those top truck stops apart is you read the reviews and you see a couple things over and over again. clean friendly clean friendly clean friendly Pictures of clean and friendly. Those that's really the differentiator, without question. You know, that's that's the unit that's the uniform review mentioned across all the top truck stops is it's clean and friendly. So going back to your question of finding bathrooms, yeah, the truck stops have them um, when they're clean, it's especially nice. I'm sure you've experienced mm, something. Yeah, hundred percent. No one likes going into it. A dirty bathroom for sure. Uh yeah, there it is funny because actually, I, before I was prepping for the interview, I, I was checking out the site on what you were talking about on your blog, and it, there was a comment actually. Like, I guess it was probably a driver on one of the uh, one of the posts or whatever, and he he was saying that there was a like a truck stop in uh, Portland that has like a movie theater, like a fold fold and laundry. It's got like um, a restaurant, Wi-Fi throughout the whole thing, a barber shop. I was like, wow, that sounds like a really cool kind of concept. It's too bad that yeah. there's not more stuff like that around the world. They're amazing. I mean, if you take that, obviously I've been to more than a couple truck stops in my career, but if you take the time to look around, you know, our app's a great place to do it. There's some incredible truck stops. There's that one. One of our, I can't remember off the top of my head where they ranked, but the Rainbow Travel Center um, is, is connected to a casino. Mm, so that's fun. Check the, a lot of those boxes you just mentioned, but there's also a casino right next door. Obviously a huge parking lot. Iowa, there's a huge stop. It's like a little city. Everything you can imagine is there. So, you know, they range from a small little lean-to on the side of the road with a pump to really big, elaborate operations. It's, it's pretty cool. Let's talk a little bit about truck stops. Can you explain to the listeners what that is? I know that 3PL Systems, our TMS, recently integrated with you guys as well. So if you can kind of give everyone a little bit of idea of what that load board is. Truckloads is our load board. It's, a, it's mobile first for drivers. Uh, it's free, available to everyone. We've got uh, well over a thousand. I think knocking on the door at two thousand brokers oh, feeding wow. loads to it all the time. Loads of all types. The interface and the way you interact with it is just about as you'd expect. You know, you look at your equipment type and input it. Look at your origin, destination, some preferences, and we tee up all the loads that are available that fit that search. Within it, depending upon the integration, you know, you can book now by touching a button. You can negotiate with the broker. You know, depending on who the broker is and how capable they are from a digital perspective, all those features are then just made available within truckloads as well. So we gather and amalgamate lots of different brokerages um, into one space for the sake of putting them in front of our million active drivers. Yeah, it seems like the marketplaces are definitely getting more interesting these days. How long have you guys been working on that project? Well, boy, that's I'm pretty sure it was around 2015 or 16 truckloads was born. So it's mm. been around quite a while. 
And then is that competing kind of with like uh, Truck Stop and DAT or, or not competing necessarily, but it's just augmenting some of those other programs? Or why would someone, I guess, go on that versus like a more traditional load board, if you will? Yeah, it's, it's definitely the same playing field as those guys. You know, I'd say we compliment them, both of them, both of them, Dad, Truck Stop, done a phenomenal job of doing what they do. Um, why would I why would I suggest truck loads other than the obvious reasons? Um, mm-hmm. Because when you hit go, it integrates directly with Trucker Path. When you're ready to go, when you've accepted that job and it's time for you to start moving the freight to go pick up and drop off, we give you great navigation on how to get there. Um, when you get to the dock, we navigate you to the actual entrance versus the front door like most Navi apps do. Mm-hmm. Um, we geofenced all those shipping docks just like we do on parking locations. And ask similar questions about requirements. You know, do they have restrooms available? As you were mentioning, you know how nice is the facility? How friendly are they? How much detention time is being experienced? You know, is there an appointment required? All the things that drivers need to know when they're going to a dock are included. So it's a it's a much more holistic approach, I would say, for a driver when you use the truck loads trucker path combination versus uh, another load board with the trucker path combination. Mm, that makes sense. And then do the drivers do they they is it a, how does it work for them is it like a subscription for them or how, how do you guys make your revenue i guess yeah, there are varying degrees the base app is free and uh, a large a big chunk of the stuff that we've talked about is available just to the free for the, the free user and then we have varying subscription packages you know starting at i think it's six dollars a month roughly up to higher amounts um one is to just turn off advertising um and then we have in, in and kind of the kicked up navigation that really takes into account the truck information. We have access to the historical and predictive data. So we have several packages available within the app that drivers can subscribe to to enhance the experience. Standalone free version is very usable. Mm. And then how did you guys get the drivers initially to actually, it seems like the hard part, like you could build the tech, but getting the guys or the drivers, the gals or girls to actually like report on some of these things about like the parking and I'm sure that that probably took a while and some like, I guess, finagling to get them to actually use it at first so, so you could kind of get that critical mass. You know how you guys did yeah, that, just out of curiosity? Yeah, you're, you're touching on a topic that's near and dear to me because <laughs> a lot of people have spent a lot of money building technology for the industry only for the drivers to not use it mm-hmm. or not like to use it. Sure. Um, you know, I wasn't around Trucker Path in the beginning, so I, I can't speak to exactly the tactics, but I can tell you that a huge portion of the growth for Trucker Path over the years has come from word of mouth. Now, obviously, we advertise within the app stores and do what's necessary for as a business perspective, but the drivers telling each other, like we started talking about earlier, that we listen, we make a suggestion, Trucker Path makes the changes. That word of mouth spreads. You know, drivers like to talk to each other. That's exactly how it works. I mean, good word of mouth works better than anything a marketing guy like me could do. Mm, 100%. Word of mouth is huge. And then what about like, I don't know, I'm sure that you probably study some driver, I guess, trends and whatnot. Is there a lot, I mean, I don't know, I've heard that there's a driver shortage, but then I've also heard that there's like a, I don't, maybe just like a hours of service type of problem or like there's, there. it sounds like it's a complicated problem, but is, is from your perspective, is there a driver shortage and are we kind of lacking getting new people involved in the, in the truck driving industry? Yes and yes. The magnitude of that driver shortage, you and I could talk about this for a week and we could have 10 other people and we'd never come to the same answer. Sure. Uh, everybody's been talking about that the whole time I've been in the industry and, and it's it's real. There's definitely a need for more truck drivers in America and that needs not getting smaller. To give you an idea, the average age of a truck driver is like 55. Mm. You know, So yeah, the good news is they've been doing it for a while in many cases. So they're very skilled and safe and everything you want, but it's an aging population. 
and fewer and fewer entrants are coming in on the younger side all the time. There's a real challenge there. Uh, you asked about you know, hours of service and parking. There's a lot of other things that could be done from an efficiency perspective to kind of increase the availability of capacity to help offset the perceived shortage. Um, but there's no question there's a shortage of drivers. It's, it's a tough job. It's a real tough job. And people today aren't willing to do tough jobs as they were 20 or 30 years ago. So it's recruiting drivers isn't very easy. I'm sure you've seen mm-hmm. or read that the average turnover for a truckload carrier is over 100%. Jeez. It's just real tough. Sitting in a 10-foot steel box by themselves all day long. Not real easy. Um, but boy, we sure need them. And How is the pay? Is the pay... Because I've read that the pay sometimes is high, then I've also read articles that it's low. So it seems like it's all over the map. I've read that like some drivers can make like a hundred grand, and then other drivers are barely surviving. So I don't, I don't know if you've kind of read other things like that as well. Yeah, it's all over the place. You know, I mean, it's a pretty decent wage. Those who make six figures are usually operators uh, who operate their own business or are very entrepreneurial. In some cases, I presume I'm not. I'm by no means a driver compensation expert. But sure. Uh, private fleets tend to pay a little bit higher wages than for higher trucking companies. Uh, so that's, that's always been the case. It's a good job. It's, there's definitely always a need for truck drivers. So anybody who wants to drive a truck and is, is capable and qualified can, uh, and they can always find a job. So it's, it, I, I think the, the compensation really comes with your history, your safety, how, how well they perform as a driver, and then the company they're working for. You know, some are very driver focused and want to make sure they're compensated well and some just want to keep the wheels turning and they don't care as much about it it's all over the place but um you can make a fair wage sure i have a couple more questions for you if that's cool and then we'll wrap it up yeah. uh sure. i guess my other question for you is like it seems like i've been in the supply chain now for i don't know like 10 15 years and you know i've been in other industries as well but it's interesting because i feel like maybe like five years ago i don't know if it was covid or what happened but like it seemed like the supply chain sort of became this thing that was now all of a sudden talked about like in boardrooms that really wasn't seemed like it was being discussed before didn't seem like our industry had like the respect that it does now or like the stature if you will have you noticed that too or am i imagining that a hundred percent i you know it's it's got it's gotten better over the years i've spoken many times about how much it chaps i I play play golf and i occasionally go play golf and get paired up with other people and one of the first questions always what do you do I tell them I work in trucking and almost everybody gets that stink out like, ooh, truckers. I, I hate truckers. <laughs> I don't like trucks. I, I, sure. It always bothered me because that's the circulatory system of our economy. Mm-hmm. Trucks don't move. None of us get anything we want to buy. It's as simple as that. So to turn up your nose to trucking is just crazy. I just agree. I just do not get it. However, we got a little taste of what that might be like when COVID hit. Right. Trucks didn't stop, but things slowed down for a minute. And boy, Americans did not like not having their stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty darn quick for people to start thinking how cool truckers were. You know, truckers went from the stink eye to, man, those guys are pretty neat, to, man, they're absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Attention to the industry and how important it is, but also just drivers in general. Another thing I'd say to those guys who stink eye me during golf, talking about mm-hmm. trucking, is, you know, I can't tell you how many drivers I've spoken to and had good conversations with who've driven like a million miles or more without ever having a crash or getting a ticket. I don't know about you, but I'm that's crazy. I've not driven close to a million miles and <laughs> a whole wall full of tickets. Oh, sure. So, you know, I mean, they're amazingly safe, conscientious, doing a hard job driving a giant truck full of things that we all have to have. They deserve a lot of respect. 
A hundred percent. I sometimes see like truck drivers that are like trying to get stuck in some weird situation and they don't have enough room. Like on PCH, I actually saw a truck driver kind of got stuck making like a U-turn type of thing. And I felt terrible for him because it looked like just so stressful to be sitting there trying to drive this big piece of machinery with the people around you just not at all caring about how big your piece of equipment is. And just it just seems like no one really like pays attention to those things. So I, I agree with you. I think that I'm glad that we have like a seat at the table now and that people are respecting our industry more just because it is such an important part of you know the economy. And I guess my last question that I had for you is how do you stay up on your being a CMO and a marketer? How do you stay up on like marketing trends and things like that? Do you go to any blogs or do you just how do you how do you do you read books or how do you stay up to date with I guess your career? Um, yes. All the above, you know, like I said earlier, it's, I think marketing is one of the hardest professions to keep on up with because it changes so much so frequently you know, over the years I've cultivated, God, I don't even know how many foods I get on a regular basis. Um, at this point, I don't even pay attention to who they come from. I just flip through it every morning. I spend an hour. That's part of my morning ritual. I get up, read the news, and then I read my feeds and I try my best to stay apprised of all the, the latest tips and tricks. Mm. At least enough to know what's a, to be aware of what's going on, so that if I need to drill down, I do. It's I, honestly, I'd say I've spent close to an hour a day, you know, and call it professional development, just reading tips and tricks for marketing and then industry trends. Mm. I like it. What, it. what I guess one last question popped up. What's your thoughts on like LinkedIn? And do you think that there's a lot of? I know, like yourself, you're on there. There's some exact lot of executives on there. But do you think that the industry as a whole, there's a lot of brokerages on there or is that something that's kind of more of just like the the leaders at the brokerages versus like i guess like the staff because i've definitely seen it more in like this the SaaS space offers a service space that it seems like in like the sales world like the aes and the sdrs and all those things that there's like a lot of people like on linkedin like sharing content now i'm just wondering from your perspective do you think that it's gotten like bigger from a freight logistics perspective as far as content creators yeah i do i think it's i think linkedin's a phenomenal tool for professionals it's it's gotten a little social in the last eight to 10 years or so, you know, mm -hmm. gone away a bit from just being a professional network to be a little bit more socially, which is fine. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it is what it is. I can tell you, it's very rare for me to look someone up on LinkedIn and not find them in our industry. So I, I think usage in our industry is probably, probably not quite as high as you know, Silicon Valley in the pure tech world. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I, I can't even remember the last time I tried to find someone and couldn't find them. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate the conversation, Chris. That was a fascinating conversation. If people want to reach out to learn more, how do they connect with you? Um, well, without business, truckerpath.com is the easiest way to do it. You know, our website's there. It's uh, got all the information, gets lots of hits. Somebody would like to talk to me personally, you're welcome to email me. It's chris.oliver at truckerpath.com. I'm happy to have a conversation or swap notes with anybody. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Trucker Path, Chris Oliver, really interesting guest. And it's awesome always getting to speak to other marketers just because you could tell that in marketing world, everything changes so quickly. You got AI coming in with like ChatGPT. seems like as Chris mentioned, every couple months there could be something new. So it's a good idea to always spend an hour a day learning new things and checking out to see if there's any sort of new trends or paths that we need to look at as marketers. But I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you enjoyed this episode of 3PL Live, please make sure to like us on Apple or Spotify, and a comment would be much appreciated. Thanks so much. Have a good day.